Well, so it looked like I lost the fight. I didn't lose the fight. I won the fight. So the teachers got me in one hand and the kid, fifth grader, older than me, and I did beat him in the fight, walking us off the playground, and all the kids are around us, and all of a sudden I see one of my classmates, Chris Blangus. He sticks his head out in front of all the, the crowd, all the kids, and he says, you lost the fight, you lost the fight, right in my face. And I just punched him as hard as I could, right in the face. Because that was not an option. I did not lose the fight. Thank you. So you can see, my passions have always been sports and competing. But our passions don't always enable us to show our best side if they're not focused in the right direction. Now, I will say as a fourth grader, you know, cut me some slack. Um, and I was young. But I will say now as a 40-something-year-old, I will tell you my two passions continue to be athletics and competition. I like to think the way I do that has changed a little bit, but they still are, among other things. But what I want to talk to you today is not necessarily about passions, but about purpose. Purpose, I think, is what really allows us to do the Lord's will in our life. Passion is a part of that, but too many of us, I think, start to pursue our passions without really understanding what purpose is and where purpose goes. Um, when you look at purpose, the question is, how do you get there? How do you find out what your purpose in life is and then get there, the process of it? Well, I would propose to you today four things, and I'm doing a lot of P words today, so excuse me, but I think it makes it a little bit easier to remember. Four things that we can remember that will help you as college students, I think, find true purpose in your life and be able to use those passions to bring good. First thing is prayer. John 14:6. It's a scripture verse I want to read for you quickly when I find it. John 14:6 says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And actually, probably some of you could have said that without reading it. Prayer. Prayer is the first P. We have got to live a life committed to Christ in order to fulfill our purpose. We have to have a relationship with Him. When I was a junior in high school, I was not a Christian yet. I was a pastor's kid and I was stubborn and I had not made a commitment to Christ. In my junior year, I was into soccer, lived in North Jersey, and we were playing a soccer game and my team advanced to the state semifinal game. We were playing a team in the state semifinals. I had a first-team All-State guy. I was a stopper back. I called him back then. I think they call him holding midfielder now. But I played a stopper back. And I had to cover this all-state guy. And this was a very important game to me personally. And it was always about me at that point. And I covered him. And I'll, tell, I'll be honest with you. I was, not, I was a kind of defender that did everything I needed to do to prevent the guy I was covering from scoring a goal. Everything I needed to do to prevent the guy I was covering from scoring a goal. And I pulled out all the tricks that day against this all-state player. I kicked him on purpose. I grabbed him. I tripped him. I elbowed him, I hit him, I talked to him, not kindly, did everything to take him off of his game. And it worked. Now, we didn't win, we lost, but I did my job. And I was feeling pretty good about myself at the end of the day, even though we lost. And I got home. Now, at that point in my life, my parents, my dad was traveling a lot in his ministry, didn't see me play a whole lot. Well, unbeknownst to me, he was there that day. And I got home, 
And I was feeling real good about myself, and I walked in, and, and, and he said, hey, I was at the game. I was like, sweet, he was at the game. He saw how good I was. And he looked at me and said, Mark, I will never go watch you play again. I was like, okay. This is the man I respected more than anybody else in my life and still respect more than anybody else in my life. And he said, God has given you abilities. God has given you talents and God has given you gifts. And you're wasting them because you have yet to commit those to him. That really got my attention because this is the man I admired, I loved. And I thought he'd be proud of me and he wasn't. And that was a two-by-four upside my head at that point. Now, it just so happens that God works in mysterious and amazing ways. That following weekend after that game was a youth retreat. At that youth retreat that weekend, the guest speaker was a retired professional baseball player who happened to be uh, an ex-member of my favorite team, the Cleveland Indians. Don't laugh. And so the Lord works. And he went on to talk about his... his uh, he gave his testimony. And at that Saturday evening service... The Lord spoke to me through him and said, Mark, I have given you passions. I've given you talents and I've given you abilities. Why are you ignoring me? Why are you not using these to bring glory to me? Because that's why I gave them to you, to bring glory to me. And that night I went forward and committed my life to Christ for the first time. At that point I made a decision. Lord, whatever it is, whatever you've given me, please, please help me to use those for your glory. That's prayer. That's commitment. We find purpose through prayer and commitment to Christ in our lives. The second P is people. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, which is actually my, uh, as Dr. Turcott knows, my favorite verses, um, say this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. People, putting others before yourselves, servant leadership, unity in Christ. That's what those verses mean to me. And that helps us find purpose when we put others first. My junior year here, uh, summer after my junior year at ENC, I uh, was on a summer ministries team. Any summer ministry team members here? I think they, you still do that, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, summer ministry team, and uh, we traveled around. I was not on the talented team. You know, the talented teams are the ones that sing. I was on the ones that just go to youth camps and can't sing. That was me. I'm not, I was not Tim, Tim Shetler. I can't sing. So I was on a summer camp team, and that was really a, a process through my junior year of the Lord really sort of reminding me of that commitment to him and saying, you know, Mark, you're really competitive, and you're playing soccer and baseball here at ENC, and you're at a Christian college, and there's a ministry to that, but I'm not really, you're not really, really coming through in our bargain here. You know, my passions had started to get the best of me again, and the competition side of me, and, and the Lord really worked in my heart that year and said, you need to do something to get your heart and mind back to ministry. So... Uh, the, the chapel, they, Mike Schutz at the time, our chaplain, was talking about summer ministries. I thought, oh, I'll do that. So I applied for summer ministries and, and did that. Well, I got put on a team. I was one of two guys on our team. The other guy's name was Jay, and I will not mention his last name, but Jay was the exact polar opposite of me. Um, did, was not athletic at all. Sang. Um, was a very good student. <laughs> and so 
we were on this team. Well, I, I, as we were doing our, our preparation, I thought, well, this is perfect. The Lord's put me in a great position here. We're going to go to all these junior high and senior high camps around the eastern region, and I'm going to have a ministry to all of the athletic guys that are at these camps. That's why the Lord has brought me here. I'm going to minister to all the athletes. So our first week of uh, camp, we went to upstate New York senior high camp. Any upstate New York people here? Yeah. Upstate New York senior high camp. First day we were there, I met a young man by the name of Scott. Scott was a junior, senior in high school. Scott was a soccer player. I was a soccer player. Scott liked baseball. I played baseball. I said, oh, Scott was not a Christian. Thank you, Lord, for putting Scott in my life. That whole week, I interacted with Scott. Okay, Scott is my mission. I am going to bring Scott to the Lord this week. And we did this, and we did that, and we played soccer, and I ate lunch with them. And in the meantime, Jay wasn't doing any of that. He was trying to play soccer. Awful. But he, he spent the week doing other things. One thing I do know he did is we had to share a room in upstate New York youth camp, if it's anything like it used to be, uh, a little scary as far as accommodations are concerned. And uh, we got into this room with a crooked floor and only one bed. So the thing I remember about Jay that week the most is he let me sleep in the bed um, the whole week. He slept on, a, on, a, on the floor in a sleeping bag. So besides that, I didn't really pay attention to what Jay was doing. He was doing his thing. Well, the last night of youth camp, you know how that is. It's the altar call night. It's when all those that haven't been able to hug the girls all week go to the altar and get to hug each other. Well, I'm, I'm sitting in the back. You remember. I'm sitting in the back, and I'm watching. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I got a beeline on Scott. So this is the night, Lord. This is it. I've been working all week. It's time for Scott to make a commitment to you, and I'm going to be up there, and I'm going to pray him through it. So about five minutes into the altar call, Scott stands up, and my heart's beating, and I'm excited. And Scott gets up, and he starts walking. He's not walking toward the art, towards the altar, because he's coming to get me. So he walked, and he walked right past me. And he walked up to Jay, and he said something to Jay. And Scott and Jay walked up to the altar and proceeded to pray. Wait a minute. What is that all about? I'm the one who's been putting all this time into Scott. I got mad. I was mad at the Lord at that point. This is not why I came here to do. I came here to minister to Scott. And now Jay? Are you kidding me? Jay? You're using Jay? To bring him to the Lord? I was ticked. I was bitter. Well, I talked to Jay that night. He said, Mark, it was unbelievable. He just talked to me about servant leadership. He talked to me about putting others before himself. And the Lord started to work in my heart and really convict me. Say, so, you know what? It's not about us being the person we want to be in other people's lives. It's about the Lord using us in other people's lives. It's about the Lord putting others first before us. And that's what Jay did that week. Jay had nothing in common with Scott. What Jay had in common with Scott was a love for Christ and the willingness to put himself out and serve others before himself. And that's what Scott saw. Scott saw Christ in Jay, not in my athletic ability. So I put this out to you. It's about people. Your purpose is about people. It's about giving to others, whether they're like you or not. It's committing to others and putting them before, themselves, for, before yourself. The third P I want to talk to you about is position. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says... And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 
position. Embrace where you are right now. I see it a lot working in higher education. I see a bunch of people like yourselves, young people who love the Lord, who have passions, who have plans, and they're so busy getting ready for what's later that they're not doing anything right now. God can use you now. Embrace the position that you are in now. If you're an athlete, embrace that position as an athlete and bring glory to God through sports. If you're a musician, embrace that position you're in as a musician and use your musical abilities to bring glory to God right now, not later. If you're a science major, God can use you right now to bring glory to Him. Embrace that. If you're on a sports team and you're a backup and not a starter, guess what? The Lord can use you in that position right now. But you have to embrace Him. You have to accept the fact that He has put me here to be used for His glory and I am not going to put up a wall and prevent Him from doing that. Embrace that. For the first time in my career, I have a former player who uh, pitched in the major leagues this year. Uh, Any Atlanta Braves fans in the crowd? Ah, right. I'm surprised. I thought if you weren't a Red Sox fan, you weren't allowed to come here anymore. Giants. Giants. Anyway, I had a young man who was signed as a free agent contract with the Braves two years ago. And um, he had the sort of the, the star of their minor league system this year, actually had the lowest ERA in all of minor league baseball this year. And at the end of the season, the Braves had a bunch of injuries on their pitching staff. He got called up. His first start was an uh, independent race against the Phillies in Philadelphia. Now, if you're from Philadelphia, you people are crazy when it comes to being sports fans. That's a pretty intimidating place to be. Well, anyway, early in the summer, I drove down to Mississippi to see him, to spend some time with him, watched him pitch when he was in double A. And I took him out to dinner that night. And I asked him, you know, how you doing, Brandon? It's, uh, this is a tough life. He's, he was getting paid at double A. He's getting paid $1,200 a month. Uh, you make no money. It's not a, a luxurious life. It's, it's not luxurious till you make the big leagues. I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing all right. Um, he said, it's hard. He said, I'm really starting to wonder how long do I want to do this. And I said, well, how are you doing spiritually? He said, actually, I'm doing pretty, really well. Um, he said, Coach, they've asked me to be the chaplain on the team here in, in Mississippi. And uh, he said, you know, Coach, when my junior year, we read a book as a team, and Dave Dravecki came to our campus and spoke, and I read Dave Dravecki's book. He said, there's a part that Dave Dravecki talked about in that book that sticks with me that I pray about and think about every day. I said, well, what was that? He said, well, he said, Dave Dravecki is the next major leaguer who had can- uh, cancer in his arm and actually ended up having his pitching arm amputated. Um, because of the cancer there. He said he talked about how the Lord really put on his heart when he was in Major League Baseball. The Lord showed him that this, at this moment in Major League Baseball, yes, it is a ministry, and use this platform to bring others to know Christ. But at the same time, it's a preparation for a ministry that's coming after baseball. And Dave Dravecki talks about how that lesson enabled him to get through that moment when he realized that the, people, the doctors were going to cut his arm off and he would never pitch again. That's what got him through. And Dave Dravecki has an incredible ministry now, even, late, even later in life, because of that. And Brandon said, you know, Coach, that's what I keep remembering. And I pray every day, Lord, use me in the life of my teammates. But don't let me get so caught up in this that I forget that everything I'm learning right now is preparing me for a ministry when baseball is over. He said, Coach, I know this could be all over in a month. But I know that I've got a purpose for when it's over because the Lord has taught me that. Well, a month later, he's called up to the Braves and he's pitching in Philadelphia and he strikes out nine Washington Nationals in five innings the next week in, in Washington and, and uh, is on the postseason roster and isn't playing anymore because the Giants beat him. But 
That, I'll be honest with you, that was maybe the single most proud, proudest moment of my life as a college coach. To hear a player say that and to get it, to get purpose, to understand that it's about now. Embrace where you are now, but also embrace the now in that it's preparing you for later too. So I encourage you to do that. Position. Embrace what you are now because the Lord's using you. He's going to use you. And he's also preparing you for something huge later in life. That brings me to my last P, and that's priorities. Luke chapter 12 says this. Verse 15. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Priorities. That's the last P. Priorities. We hear a lot about, and I know you go to Sunday school, you sing this. Remember the Sunday school song, Joy? Um, Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. Anyone ever sing that song? Okay, I'm assuming by the blank stairs it was no. Okay. Jesus first, yourself last. We hear it from the time we're little. Priorities. God is always first. You watch it on TV. They, they uh, interview Christian athletes. Well, I just want to thank God. God is first in my life. Then after that comes my family. And then after that comes my career. And then after that comes myself. You hear it. It's sort of become a catchphrase in, in our Christian world. And I'm not saying that's wrong. God needs to be first in your life. All right, we can all agree on that right now. Here's my issue with priorities. I think sometimes we start to categorize our priorities. We put God first, and when we're doing God things, God is first. But then when we go down to number two on the list, or number three on the list, God's not a part of that priority anymore. Even though it's not as important as God, God isn't a part of that. So I will tell you today, or I'll present to you today, have God number one. But make God the center of all your priorities, not just at the first one. Have Him be the center of everything. When you do that, when you do that, everything on your priority list will be with a purpose to bring glory to God. That's why we're here. So whether it's as a boyfriend, a girlfriend, fiancé, whether it's as a father, husband, wife, whether it's as a professional, and there are people sitting in this room that are going to go out and be incredibly successful in your professional life because of the passions and abilities God has blessed you with. Make God the center of that. Make God the center of that. And he'll do amazing things. I believe firmly, and I tell this to our athletes at Indiana Wesleyan, I believe firmly that the Lord wants us to be successful. It's biblical. He calls us to take the abilities and talents that He has blessed us with and to develop those to their maximum to bring glory to Him. You will be successful. The world needs us to be successful because the world needs light in darkness. But the problem is when we have our passions and we have our abilities and we have successes, boy, that is a breeding ground for Satan to just get in there and just cut our legs out from underneath us and, then, and make God not the center. So I propose to you that, yes, God needs to be the priority number one in your life, but I also say to you today, make God the center of everything in your life, all of your priorities, and then what he will do for you is he's going to take those passions and abilities and he will enable you to be better at those and more effective than those than you ever thought you could be. And then he's going to put you in a spot that he's picked for you and he's going to put people in your life that he's put in your life and you're going to change people's lives for eternity because he is the focus of what you're doing. And you're good at it. 
the world notices people who are good. Let's be good. Let's be good and then bring people to Christ, to our world. That's position. Embrace that and that's priorities. Embrace that. So then now we finally get to passion. Once you've done all those four things, you've got all those four things in line, one through four, prayer and people and position and priorities, now you bring your passion into the equation. Now God can take those passions that you have and use them and lead you in a direction that will make an incredible impact on this world and make an incredible impact on you. There's a peace that you feel when you're following God's purpose in your life. And it's an incredible feeling. And I pray for all of you that you'll feel that peace in your life at some point, hopefully today. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the privilege to be here today. Um, I love this place. There are special people in here. Mrs. De- Dr. Detweiler, people who love you. Dr. Detweiler looked at me, and she did not see an 18-year-old immature soccer baseball player with a mullet and a 1.9 first semester GPA and say, wow, this kid's hopeless. She saw something in there that I didn't see, and she kept beating me on the side of the head with a 2x4 and kicking me in the butt until I saw it. And I am forever indebted to her for that. And there are professors here that love you the same exact way. Let them do that. Thank you. Before we leave uh, tradition, this morning in prayer, Dr. Cameron's home, he said, Corey, I know it's Heritage Day. We're going to sing the alma mater. I know you have planned for us to sing the alma mater. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 of course, Dr. Cameron. So keeping in tradition with Heritage Day, let us stand together. And we will sing the school's alma mater led by Dr. Shetland. The second verse, ladies only. Second verse, ladies only. Ladies alone, ladies. 